Welcome to The Walk, a devotionals podcast led by worship leaders. In this episode, Stephen McWhorter gives a powerful testimony that started with hate and addiction and ended with radical transformation and love. Here we go. You know, when I think about where I came from and where I am now as a worship leader, as a father, as a husband, (laughs) um, as a child of God, you know, um, it was this process uh, that the Lord took me through. And he never wastes a part of our story, you know. (laughs) Um, When I was a kid, I grew up, my dad was a traveling evangelist. And um, I would see him get up and preach about Jesus behind a pulpit. And then behind closed doors, I would watch my father physically abuse my mom. And I said, you know what? If God's real, he's not good. And I began down this crazy, intense path of just rebellion. At 13, I was smoking and drinking and, you know, marijuana, that kind of stuff. By the time I'm 15, it's, you know, cocaine pills. I'm selling drugs. By the time I'm 17, I'm a full-out crystal meth addict. I'm using crystal meth every day for, you know, nearly six years. And during this time, I'm the guy that hates Christianity. I mean, hates it. (laughs) Um, From what I grew up around, even after becoming a Christian, I I was like, you know what? If God's good, um, his plan's good for him, but it's going to be a bummer for me. Uh, but I should want it because he's God, you know? And that's where my head was about him. Like, But what I didn't understand is that he's good and all that he does is good. You know, I remember after becoming a Christian, I would go to my you know, in quotation mark, more spiritual seeming friends. And I would say, hey, will you pray about this thing or that thing that I hope will happen, this girl, whatever, right? And I just remember people saying, (laughs) I will pray for God's will to be done. And I would think to myself, no, don't do that. I want the thing I want to happen to actually happen. Uh, (laughs) That's how screwed up my idea of God's goodness was, right? Um, what I didn't understand is like when when Moses was on the mountain, he said, God, show me your glory of all the words God could have used to express experiencing the fullness of his character. He said, Moses, I will let all of my goodness go before you. He's the source of goodness. And I didn't understand that. So in my teens, when I was in, you know, late teens, when I was in crystal meth, I hated Christianity because I didn't think God was good if he was real at all. And I mean, it was so crazy. It was like to the point of you mentioned the name Jesus around me, I would have either, you know, knocked you out or cussed you out, one of the two. And there were people that were, you know, burdened for me and um, praying for me to come to Jesus. And somebody came and gave me this book about Jesus called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Um, And I just remember being like, it's a blur. Uh, You know, this is probably the most miraculous part of the story is me accepting this book without clawing somebody's eyes out. Right. I was like, cool, thanks. And fast forward, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm living in a house full of drugs and musicians. And it's just one big cliche. Right. Um, I literally had drugs on the side table next to me and nobody's playing softly and quietly in the corner. You know, come as you are or whatever, Uh, which is worship leaders. We know that would have really helped right in that moment but no it was just it was just me and the lord and he knew (laughs) 
that it had to be that way because it's the kindness of a very real God to meet a wounded pastor's kid in a place completely untouched by the hands of man, like where only he gets the glory. And not that he can't do it in a church, not that he can't do it in a pulpit or whatever. For whatever reason with me, it happened in this room the most unlikely place. And we had this internal dialogue. I didn't hear him audibly, but I knew he was there. I knew these thoughts weren't my thoughts. And he was like, Stephen, I'm real. I'm good. I have a purpose for your life. And in that moment, I was like, God, I want to quit everything. I want to quit all this addiction, all this darkness, all this depression that I've known for so long. God, I want to, but I can't. And I was mean, I, I couldn't remember what it was like. This is 11 years of addiction at this time. I couldn't remember what it was like to be a little kid and be happy without having something to make me feel happy. So I was like, God, I want to, but I can't. I just remember the Holy Spirit saying something to me that changed me for the rest of my life. It was like, Stephen, you won't do it. I'll do it. And just like the basic Christianity, I believe God, right? And I literally quit everything that night in that room, fell to my knees, boogers out the nose, ugly crying on the floor, <laughs> and quit everything. And I'll say this to anybody listening. Um, for whatever reason, it was like that for me. But when you read the Gospels, Jesus never healed anyone the same way twice. Every story has a purpose. And your story is important. I got hired like a year later as a worship leader for a church. Uh, very hard up church, apparently, because go figure, ex-meth addict doesn't look good on a job resume. So you got to be pretty hard up to be like, yeah, we'll take this guy. Uh, so they brought me in to do the contemporary service at their church. And I remember them – and just – for clarification, at this time, for some context, for this at this time of my life, I was in metal bands, like screaming my head off. Okay, and uh, here I am, recently saved, encountered a very real God. Like I mean, I am running around to people, going, "Oh my gosh, it's all real! Did you know it's actually real?" That's where I was. It wasn't just like, "Oh, Christianity sounds cool. I think I'll do that." No, it was like, "Oh my gosh, my mind is blown. It's all real. I've got to give him everything." And here I am at this church, and they slide me a list of songs I'm allowed to play. And I think the coolest thing on that list at the time was I could only imagine. <laughs> so <laughs> I had like my life was just like completely suddenly different. But you know what? When you really meet God, to sing those songs is an honor and a joy and mean it. You know, I think if we really see God, when we really see him, singing holy, holy, holy will be enough because we'll actually understand what that means when we sing it. I had this encounter that made me long to just be with him and know him, really know him. And so most of my walk has been trying to grow closer to him, you know, get to know him more, but also hold on to that night in that room and not get so far removed from it that I just start going through the routines of I go to church. I do all the right Christian things. No, I want it to be real. And a lot of the times for me as a worship leader, that means spending more time with him when nobody's watching <laughs> so that what I do on a stage is now the overflow of who I am in the secret place. And for me, I just want everyone to intimately know this very real God that I know that's more than just a Sunday school lesson. 
For me, he really is a savior because I should be dead. And who would think that night in that room at three o'clock in the morning that the thing I thought would mark my life with shame, God would use to mark my life with glory. And a lot of the times in the church, in the world, we, we kind of want to keep things nice and clean and maybe not say the things that might look bad. But remember who you were and the things that we think will make people not talk to us <laughs> are actually the things sometimes that God uses to propel us into our destiny and to bring him glory. And that authenticity with him that pours out on a stage as a worship leader I believe it's been one of the most important things for me. In the second half of this episode, Stephen brings home some scripture that will challenge us all to develop that intimate relationship with Jesus and worship out of the overflow. I wanted to quickly thank Soldiers for Faith, who's the sponsor of this episode. It's a very special ministry motivated by the words of Philip, come and see from John 1 when Jesus is calling his disciples. They provide methods to come and see the Lord, from their call-in Bible studies to their special needs ministry and their really cool at-home concert experience ministry. Everything they do is motivated by a call to bring people to come and see the Lord. I'd invite our listeners to join other believers seeking biblical truths and guidance through the Holy Spirit by checking out soldiersforfaith.com for more details. We'll put that link in the show notes on worshipleader.com, so be sure to check it out, but just in case you missed it, soldiersforfaith.com. Okay, back to Stephen. There's a couple of verses that I turn to to help me stay focused on him. You know, One of the things that people, when I'm talking to them, I'll say, you know, this is the thing for me, like learn to love him so much when nobody's watching (laughs) that what you do on a stage is now the overflow of that, right? And and that's tough, I know, because when we spend time alone, it's hard not to be preparing for Sunday when we're worshiping. Or as a songwriter myself, it's very hard for me to read the Bible and not go, ooh, that would be a great song idea, instead of just go, oh, what are you saying to me, God? And how can I tell you I love you for that? Um, and so it's finding those times where you're not hitting a record on voice memo, or you're not writing down the ideas for a three-point sermon or notes in between your worship songs, but just to sing to him just for him. That's it. And I think one of the things I hear a lot is I have a hard time wanting to do that. And I know that sounds funny, but do you really want it? Like you have those holy friends that you know that just like they fast, they do all this stuff and you feel like you're just not that person. You wish you wanted it like they did. Right. And I love this in Philippians. uh, It's Philippians 2.13. And it says that it's God in you, giving you the desire and the power to do the things that please him. So if we stop, this verse is drenched in grace because it's God in you giving you the desire, the want to that you don't have yet, (laughs) and the power, the ability to do the thing that brings him glory. All of that is him. The only thing he asks you to do is like it says in 1 John is to believe, to actually believe he can do it. Now, I know it won't always come that easy, but it starts with, I think, going, this honest prayer, God, I want to want you more than I do. And you start there at a real honest place. And another one is Matthew 6, 1. 
Be careful not to display your righteousness merely to be seen by people. So the Lord, throughout this verse and throughout this chapter, really, he's saying, don't do it for people, just for people to see. Do it for for God to see when nobody's watching. And out of this place, we start to become more like Jesus. We start to actually learn how to love him well in the secret place. And so today, if I would just say, take the time to one, ask him to give you the desire you don't have yet, <laughs> to want to want him more, like just wanting more than you ever have before so that you can begin to love him just because you love him in a place, not where people are watching, but just where it's you and him. And out of that place, you begin to worship out of the overflow. And what people see on a stage is who you are when nobody's watching. And then you will start to see a shift in the thing that you do. I think as worship leaders, you'll start to love what you do again. Maybe you've burned out and you've fallen out of love with it and it's a routine and you finish a Sunday and you're like, oh no, there's another one coming, this ongoing <laughs> gloom, right? But if you do it because you know him and you spend time with him, it is a joy every time. What an incredible testimony. Thank you, Stephen, so much for contributing to our podcast and sharing such a personal story. Stephen has a fantastic new song out that's a collaboration with Jason Claiborne that we'll play out this episode with called Rafa. Two quick reminders. If you could, please leave us a review on those podcast platforms and help spread the word about the walk. And also a quick shout out to Jay-Z Microphones for providing the microphone for today's podcast. As always, special thanks to Matt McCarty for producing and editing today's episode. Jacob Fairclough produced our theme song. The Walk is brought to you by Worship Leader Magazine, which is an authentic media brand. I'm Joshua Swanson. Here's Rafa.
Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.